Welcome to Insight. I'm Teresa Cowie, and this program looks at the so-called lawless North. The police station that you have called cannot answer your call at present. Please hold the line while you are transferred to Wangarei Central Police Station. 2016's been a tough year for police in Northland. Since last New Year's Eve, they've dealt with seven homicides, the country's biggest methamphetamine bust, and growing numbers of violent robberies. With police resources stretched to the limit, small towns are feeling increasingly unsafe. Are the police being asked to do too much with too little? And what can communities do to protect themselves? Let me just clean this car out. The lady never came back for it. And I think she must have a windscreen because she's, she's bought all new stuff in there. It's full of bloody needles. Oh, one down there by the, by the gas shift lever. She pulled quite a few out, she says, and there was a lot of blood in there. But that's what they're doing, eh? Just drugs. Do you see it in there? Just down by the gesture. Tony Taylor has a yard full of cars, mostly stolen ones he's recovered for the police. He's Kaikohi's tow truck owner and the founder of the local community patrol. His home on a hill surveys the little town that used to be the hub of the mid-north, back in the days when people had jobs at places like the Moriwa Freezing Works. Two generations later, most people in Kaikohi don't have jobs, and Tony Taylor's place is enclosed by three-metre fences topped with barbed wire. Here's another stolen one here, and this is what they're doing. This is what these kids are doing. They're going through, and they're ripping out the ignitions, right? And that's, that's how they're driving them. So they're, they're yeah, just a screwdriver jammed in, yeah. But this is what they're doing. They're, they're creating a lot of lot of problems, a lot of money for the insurance companies, you know, because they're normally breaking the back windows, the little quarter light windows, you know, the ones up here. And they get in there and they undo them and then they uh, they just break in. And it's the kids that are doing it. That's why you see them carrying these backpacks around. Got all the equipment up. Down the road in Kawakawa, Kim Turner tells me about her friend who was behind the counter one night at the Moiriwa service station when she was robbed at knife point. The police, who'd been at a fatal crash, turned up more than an hour later. The woman left her job, too traumatised to go back. Miss Turner's partner had a similar experience, but in broad daylight. My partner was at the doctor's out at Moriwa, and he got held up for cash. He walked out of the doctor's to go and hop in his car, and this guy had been loitering in the corner of the car park and he walked up to him and demanded cash because he assumed that my partner had backed into his sister's car at the gas station here, which he never goes to, and he wouldn't let him go until he coughed up cash for the supposed damage. How much did he get out of him? A couple of hundred bucks. And did he have a weapon? He had a knife. Kim Turner's boss, Malcolm Francis, owns Kawakawa's Hammer Hardware. He heads the town's business association, and he says robberies and burglaries are out of control in the north because the thieves know these days they can get away with it. Basically what we've got is uh, seems to be a, a lawless north. For, for what it's worth, they're getting to the stage now where they're, they're robbing properties directly opposite the police station and no-one seems to care. Local guy... Had his uh, garage broken into, got into his car, you know, jimmied the locks and stuff, uh, filled it up with all the property from within his shed and drove it off, and then they toasted the motor, blew the transmission and ran it over a bank. And it's all within, you know, this is on Range Road, which is only like two kilometres from the house where they stole it. I'm Lois Williams, and this insight looks into crime in Northland and the Herculean efforts of the region's police force to stay on top of it.
It's seven o'clock on a warm November night in Kaikohi, and down at Linvart Park, the touch rugby teams are still going hard, cheered on by friends and whanau. A few blocks away, in the yard behind the Kaikohi police station, the community crime patrol prepares to hit the streets. As the sun goes down, Hazel and Neil climb into the little silver car, switch on the police radio and head out. Three nights a week, every five weeks, this farming couple in their 60s take their turn on the roster to be, as they put it, the eyes and ears of the Kaikohi police. They're indignant at the damage caused to the town and its businesses by thieves and vandals, most of them young teenagers. This here Trump's Cafe used to be a thriving business and he got sick of being broken into. 13 times in something like 18 weeks he was broken into. It used to be such a thriving business, didn't it, Neil? Yeah, and I mean, he was a relatively young Maori man um, and his wife, and they were doing well, and then they just kept getting broken into. Because there's a minute. smashed window. Just a minute. Yep. Neil, stop. Can you see what that says there? FTW? It is. Just this one underneath the broken window here. Um, FTW stands for something, the world, uh, and that's a sort of a sign that, oh, there it is up there as well. There's not a lot stirring in Kaikohi tonight. The touch players briefly throng the main street looking for takeaways. A few teens glued to their phones hang out in the library porch for free Wi-Fi. And in the sad back streets, little gangs of children wander barefoot in the twilight with preschoolers in tow. A couple of boys, they look about nine, roar up and down on miniature motorbikes. One makes a daring circuit of the local rest home and Hazel calls police comms from the patrol car. But officers on the late shift have more urgent business. A car crash at Ohio Way, a missing girl and a family violence call out up the line. Back in March, with some fanfare, the police restructured their operations in the mid-north. The aim was to pull resources and put more officers out into the community equipped with the very latest in electronic devices. Senior Sergeant Brian Swan, based in Kaikohe, is now the response manager for the entire Mid-North, overseeing seven stations from the Bay of Islands to Kaio in the north and Rawini in the west. There's been some challenges with that. The, the staff numbers have basically stayed the same. We, we've lost a little bit of our overall supervision and those positions have been taken up as um, station sergeant positions, which are more of an audit sort of role. We used to have supervisors based out of Kirikiri and out of Kaikoe for each shift, whereas now we just have one overall mid-north supervisor on each shift. So there has been some loss of supervision, but obviously uh, in these days of, of mobility, we have a, a very good ability to stay in touch with all our staff throughout the area and the actual area we cover, you know, if, a, if the sergeant working out of Kaiko has to attend a job in Pai here, it's not really any further than some of the other areas like in Auckland, the, the supervisors cover a, a, as, at least as big an area as that. But some community leaders say the restructure has made the police in the north even less visible, less responsive and impossibly stressed. And the recent workplace survey of police appears to support that. Nearly 38% of Far North officers were feeling disengaged, less connected to their job, and only 23% felt the police could effectively deliver on their promise of service to their clients, the public. 
That's about half the national figure. The local tow truck owner, Tony Taylor, says the officers he knows are working crazy hours, and although they can't say so publicly, they're frustrated. We haven't got enough police officers. They're doing the best they can. They're working long, long shifts. Um, for instance, one week the other night, 3 o'clock, he didn't finish 8 o'clock in the morning. Their whole team. And they, they got seven offenders that day, you know, that night. And they're all kids, all, un, all under 16. Um, the way the police are operating at the moment, they uh, might get a call, priority one call to pie here. They'll leave the area here, and it's up to us, really, if we're on duty. We just, just drive around, just keep an eye on things. If something happens, then um, we'll just go and observe only and take notes. But surely just to try and keep the community safe when the police aren't here because we haven't got enough police officers. A Kawakawa retailer, Malcolm Francis, says police are also spending long hours on the road. You know, I had one of the cops come in here and say that, you know, they were on the general duty squad for the day. And, you know, there's two guys up in a squad car and basically they'd driven the whole of the north doing 111 calls, going from one to the other, and they'd driven over 500 kilometres in a shift. A flying squad approach is supposed to be uh, in, in action at the moment. It's based here in Kawakawa and we've never seen them yet. At least I've never seen them yet. We see the occasional cop round, but uh, it's nothing like what it used to be, eh? We used to get good service out of them. You could ring up, you could get someone down here. There's no there's no resource now, eh? And that's just basically got to the stage where you don't rely on getting anyone here. You know, I, I believe that um, what we've got here, it seems to be everything seems to be sent from Kerry Kerry. So if you ring, you're going to wait half an hour before you get someone down here anyway. Unless it's a murder, they're not interested. But Senior Sergeant Swan says that's not the case. The feeling that communities have lost contact with their local police is common throughout the region. Christmas has started, people are starting to look. So we had a really good opportunity. In Kaitaia, retailer Ian Walker is preparing for the Christmas rush and keeping a sharp eye out for shoplifters. Three weeks ago, his appliance store was hit by a visiting posse of professional thieves who made off with $3,000 worth of laptops. We picked them up on our CTV system about an hour after they'd left the store. We contacted the police and we got diverted to the crime booking system, wherever that is in the world. After we explained what had occurred, uh, they asked us, to, they sent us a link to a website where we were supposed to fill in the forms and provide the information of what had occurred and upload any pictures or CTV footage we had, which we did, but we found that the website was pretty clunky and we couldn't upload anything because they, it wouldn't accept high-resolution images, so it, wasn't, it was a bit pointless. Meanwhile, Mr Walker says the thieves were driving around Kaitaia in a stolen car, plundering other stores. We actually got the make and model number and registration of the vehicle. Again, called the police... Uh, again got redirected through a crime booking service. Then nothing happened. You know, three days later, uh, we got contacted by the police in Palmerston North that the, uh, the vehicle was stolen and that they were interested in the evidence, so we provided it to them. And the local police uh, requested a DVD to be burned on the, on the evidence which we provided them. And then we read in the paper that the culprits had been caught. Ian Walker says he still hasn't heard back from the Kaitaia police about the fate of his laptops, which is unsatisfactory, he says, considering he and his staff did most of the sleuthing. We've been basically separated from our local police force. You know, a year or two ago, we used to be able to call the police station, um, get hold of one of the constables or the person on the on reception. They would respond reasonably quickly. Now it just gets into a booking list, and we have no idea when our local police force is actually going to be contacted, uh, if at all, uh, and what they're going to do about it. And again, we're none the wiser of actually what's occurred. We did all the police work. 
Uh, we actually uh, managed to uh, locate the vehicle. We located the owner in Palmerston North. We rang the owner. <laughs> uh, we were the ones going around the, uh, the town trying to find them. And, uh, you know, the police were too busy t sending out, uh, giving out speeding tickets uh, for misdemeanours while we were doing the real police work. <clears throat> now, I just don't think that's satisfactory. If they'd been able, if our police force had been advised that there was this criminal in town hitting retailers at the time they were doing it, that possibly they could have caught them red-handed and we wouldn't have uh, lost so much gear out of stores around the, around the, uh, the community. A retired Whangarei police officer, Gavin Benny, says that sense of connection is vital for police work. As the officer in charge at Hikurangi, for more than 20 years he had some of the highest crime clearance rates in the country. And he says it's all about local knowledge. If you haven't got that information, then you're struggling from the start. And so we knew that if something happened, there was always someone to ring, you knew the neighbour, you could ring them up and say, hey, what's happened there, and, and, and you'd get that information straight away. And that's something I, I believe the cops have lost, and that's especially the, the loss of experience, of, the experience of the police now, I would suggest, is, is way less than what it was 20 years ago. There. And that experience factor is, is a massive thing. I don't think the police um, were put enough emphasis on, on how precious that, that experience was. See what the check their um put my high vis jacket on. Northland's traffic chief Wayne Avis says if local police had been alerted on the day, they'd have been after the shoplifters like a shot. After 30 years in the police, the inspector still has a taste for the front line, and at 10 o'clock on a Friday night, he's out on highway patrol. He prefers to work from 8 to 4am because if he takes an earlier shift, the calls just keep coming once he's home. I don't usually sleep that well, so when I'm asleep, I like to have my sleep. What do you get phone calls about? Uh, all sorts of things. So um, The homicides that we've had of on the on-call officer, fatal motor accidents, uh, serious assaults, stabbings, um, rapes, uh, you know, anything serious. Um, always like to get called if police members get hurt at anything just in the line of duty, assaulted. Um, so there's a few things that we like um, we like to be aware of. But if you're the traffic boss, why are you getting calls about homicides and rapes? Uh, because I'm a policeman. And police officers, we don't have such things as um, traffic, uh, individual traffic. We have, we have police staff that focus on traffic, but we're all police officers, so... Um, you know, the Land Transport Act, we police that like we do the Crimes Act or the Summary Offences Act. So for me now, if um, a job came in that uh, a house was getting burgled around the corner here and I'm the closest unit, I would go and deal with it. And that's, that's the way it should be for the public of New Zealand, you know, the best service that we can uh, possibly give. In the past year, violent robberies in Northland increased by a third Plain old robberies and extortions rose 26%. Burglaries went up 14% and car thefts by nearly 8%. And behind those numbers are some sad people. Dave, who's 74, was recovering from emergency surgery and waiting nervously for another operation when his beloved car was stolen from his locked garage, just opposite the Kawakawa police station. Also missing were his power tools. Uh, I got up on... Last Saturday morning, I opened the back door, 
because we live right here, opposite the police station, next door to the RSA. And when I opened the back door, I saw a, a big hole in my glass door on the side of my garage. So I went out and opened the door, and looked in there. Hello, car gone. So I come straight into the, rang up the cops, police. It was a 91 Mitsubishi V3000, immaculate condition. It's a, but it only done about 130-odd thousand K. Yeah. yeah. And we've had it for 23 years. It's a, Excuse me, I still get a bit weepy about it. You do, you miss your car. Like chopping a leg off. I'm still getting over a life-saving surgery from a year ago. And I got two trips to Wangarei Hospital in the next two weeks. And then I'm due to go for another, another surgery up here before Christmas. I can't, um, can't be without a car for medical reasons. The police found Dave's Mitzi, motor fried and transmission wrecked, crashed over a bank two k's out of town. His insurers paid for a new vehicle, and the thieves haven't been caught yet. Tony Taylor says the odds are they're kids. There was an incident last week where um, there was a car stolen from Kaiko here. He ended up down uh, Morewa. There were six offenders in there, and um, all under the age of 16. Sorry, there was only one that was 16 and under. One of them was a 12-year-old. Um, police caught them, um, and then they came back into Kaikoui and they caught another offender, with, um, and he was 12, and he had bolt cutters in the back of his backpack, and this is 2 o'clock in the morning. And it's not just males, it's females too. But this, this age group, this is where we have our problem in our society, is this age group of kids, there's just no respect. Um, you talk to some of the um, kamato and that from some of them rise up here, and it's all... You know, Maori orientated up here, and that, and that's fine, but they haven't even got respect for their kamatua, for their marae. There, there's no connection or anything. And I'm not saying this is all kids. I'm only going to say this is a few kids that are causing the problem and a few of the families that are causing it. A lot of the problems are from the, um, the different gang members we have up here, and even though they don't seem to be active, the adult members are getting these kids to do the jobs. Um, it's all tied in with drugs. They're getting the stuff, and they're, they're paying these kids whatever. Um... You see there's a car just out my window there at the moment. That's an impound car. We've just cleared that out now and it's full of drug stuff, needles and all sorts. So this is the sort of thing that's happening. Tony Taylor says while the kids run amok, the police are often forced to prioritise the offending of their parents. Gang violence and the methamphetamine trade are placing unprecedented demand on police resources in the north. Most of the seven homicide cases in the past year have been gang-related. And in June, Far North Police made the biggest bust in New Zealand history, half a tonne of methamphetamine found in the sandhills of Ninety Mile Beach and in a camper van at Tōtara North. A recent Massey survey found 56% of the people arrested in Northland were using methamphetamine. The national average was 36%. The president of the Police Association, Chris Carhill, who's a former organised crime investigator, says the price of the drug's gone down and consumption is up. It's really when you look at that um, gram and ounce price and how they've come down dramatically. And and it's really, if, if you look, Northland's the prime example. I mean, 500 kilos landed on a beach in Northland. Having previously worked in the, uh, the drugs and organised crime area, that's a hell of a shock to anyone in New Zealand that that amount of, of drugs are getting landed in New Zealand. And it's clear the gangs have decided that to compete, they're going to get as much drugs in as possible and then flood the market. 
um, to get their market share. And it's pretty scary. And to some degree, I mean, I think police, other government agencies, even social agencies perhaps thought we were winning the battle with methamphetamine and, and took our foot off the throat a bit. And I think we need to get back in that space. The education, the rehabilitation, the enforcement, the whole lot. Mr Carhill says methamphetamine's fuelling family violence and it's behind a lot of the robberies and burglaries as addicts scrabble for money to buy it. And the apparent rise in gang visibility and violence in Northland is part and parcel of the drug's growing influence. The gang scene across New Zealand is changing, without a doubt. Um, there seems to be more of them. There's, there's a fight for space and um, with that goes much more visibility. Um, it's been affected by the uh, deportees from Australia which have come back to New Zealand, um, bringing with them some more gang connections, which is creating tension around the country, and Northland uh, reflects that to a degree. A lot of these deportees, um, their only connection with New Zealand is by the name of a gang or having been involved in a gang in Australia, so it's pretty obvious they'll flock there but a number of them are much more sophisticated and a number of them want to raise their own profile and the way to do that is to either get in with a current gang or establish a chapter of a Australian-based gang. Um, so it's certainly very concerning. You've got the rebels, uh, you've got some Camacheros um, that have arrived in Auckland, um, you've got an increased number of banditos, so it's, you know, it's, it's a concern. Chris Carhill says the stresses placed on police in Northland this year have revealed what's been known for years. They're understaffed. And though police have allocated extra officers to help out, he says that's no more than a stopgap measure. The police station that you have called cannot answer your call at present. Please hold the line while you are transferred to Wangarei Central Police Station. In Kaitaia, Senior Sergeant Jeff Ryan says it's been a rugged year, on top of several rugged years, with high-profile child abuse cases tying up thousands of hours of police time. It didn't help having his town dubbed the murder capital of New Zealand by a local paper. And there was that episode back in August when a local woman was followed at night by a car, called 111, and sat up all night with her children waiting for an attacker, hoping for a police car that never turned up. We've got to take it on the chin, it was a mix-up. There was staff deployed uh, in the area. Um, they did patrol in the area. Um, they drove past, but they didn't see any lights on. They thought she had just gone to bed, if you know what I mean, and so they didn't want to wake her up. So she's sitting inside with her house blacked out with a softball bat, and, and we didn't realise. The staff thought that the, the communications centre had got back to her with the result. The communications centre thought the staff had got back to her with the result. In the end, no-one got back to her with the result, which was a huge lapse in service, and, and of course we apologise for that. Jeff Ryan says given the load on his staff this year, he's proud of them and he's felt well-supported, with six extra staff allocated to his station for the year. So far, only three have been recruited. But he says his policing resources also include the locals. Jeff Ryan says the massive meth hall on 90 Mile Beach was the result of collaboration between alert residents who observed the bumbling efforts of strangers to launch a very flash-looking boat and a quick-thinking cop who spotted a wanted vehicle speeding up the beach. And in the back office of the Kaitaia police station, there's a new weapon in the armoury. He's just seen security arrive. He's reaching into his, um, the rear of his belt. He's pulling out the knife. 
he's deciding to put that in his bag, going, oh, I'm not going to do this. And him and his friend have left the scene. Bill Frost is monitoring a bank of screens showing footage from CCTV cameras all over Kaitaia. The veteran security officer is now working for a new community-owned company that's a partnership between local businesses, the Far North Council, the police and First Security. It's a first in New Zealand, and although it didn't help retailer Ian Walker in his hour of need, it's already prevented at least one armed robbery. And more prevention is what Northland's police chief is aiming for, despite the pressures of the moment. Area Commander Russell LaPrue says local knowledge and a local presence are pivotal to crime prevention. And police are now reviewing the recent restructure in the Mid-North to see what they could do better. Getting out and being able to speak to people. When we're in a phase where we're quite busy, clearly that becomes a bit more reactive than it does preventative. We want to be more prevention-based, so that's visibility, uh, being mobile, seeing people, talking to them, speaking to the young fellas on the street or, you know, who's ever out and about, stopping the gangs, uh, stopping their motorbikes, um, you know, and generally seeing what's going on. Uh, we want to be more like that? Absolutely. Uh, at, the, at the moment, we're probably more reactive than we want to be. Mr LaPrue says the police have allocated a total of 19 extra staff to Northland to work on the backlog of work, including child protection files, that have built up while local staff work on homicide cases. And although not all the positions have been filled yet, he says that has allowed weary local officers to take some time off. And two new projects may help long-term to reduce their workload. Eight new full-time staff will join the police in Whangarei in a new team to combat meth addiction in partnership with the District Health Board. And six new full-time staff will join the Kaitaia Police in a joint venture with Iwi to tackle family violence in a pilot programme for New Zealand. But will that be enough to fill the gaps in Northland's thin blue line? Russell LaPrue. I don't think there'd be a district command that wouldn't say, look, I can, you give me some more, I'll do some more. Look, we do a good job with what we've got. Um, my staff always want to do more. Uh, they put in some long hours at different times um, and they often do things the public don't see. So look, I, so I think I wouldn't detract from my staff uh, and, and the work they do and how hard they work. But you wouldn't say no to more staff, obviously? Uh, I, I wouldn't say no to more staff. I'm Lois Williams and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to get in touch or share your thoughts on this programme, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at insight at radioNZ.co.nz or our Twitter handle is at InsightRNZ. That programme was written and presented by Lois Williams. It was produced by me, Teresa Cowie, with technical production from Phil Bench. And if you'd like to hear more programmes, check out our website, rnz.co.nz slash insight, or subscribe to Insight on iTunes. Listener.